Many are calling October 7, 2023, Israel's version of 9-11. Some estimate that over 1,400 Jews died as a result of Hamas's attack, and over 200 Israeli and foreign nationals are still being held captive in Gaza. Sacramento's mayor, Daryl Steinberg, issued a strong statement in the aftermath of the attack, expressing his outrage and concern over these events. He joins us today to share his thoughts and perspective as a leader and as a member of the Jewish community. Mayor Steinberg, after the attack, you made a statement that began, I am a mayor, I am a father, a son, and a friend. I am first and foremost a Jew. On a personal level, how has October 7th affected you and yours? It has affected me deeply. Um, like Jews throughout the country and the world, this was the worst civilian attack on the Jewish people since the Holocaust. 1,400 people massacred, uh, 200 plus people being held hostage. The 1,400 number is equivalent to about 25 to 30,000 uh, Americans, if, if this were to happen in America, given the scale of the population, 25 or 30,000 Americans massacred. And so this uh, was and continues to be a horrendous event, a trauma uh, for the Jewish community and a reminder of the historic atrocities that have been perpetrated against Jewish people. And it's accompanied by a pretty dramatic rise in anti-Semitism throughout the country and throughout the world. We're not immune to it in Sacramento, but certainly it is a reminder that one of history's uh, oldest prejudices, uh, the stain of anti-Semitism, um, continues uh, to rear its ugly head in way too many places. Hmm. Share with us what you wanted all of us who heard your words to understand at the moment that you were expressing it. What is it you wanted us to know? Well, I, I suppose it goes back uh, to the fact that um, I have multiple roles and maybe multiple identities that all converge together. Um, I am the mayor of all the people of Sacramento. Um, and yes, uh, I am a father and a son and a husband and a friend. And I said, I am also, uh, or first and foremost, uh, a proud member of the Jewish community because that is an identity that even if I wanted to change it, I could not, uh, and I don't want to change it. And what I've, what I've tried to say and what I've continued to say in, uh, in the weeks since is that it's okay. And in fact, I think it is important that all of us as human beings hold on to multiple truths. I said this week at this rally sponsored by the Jewish Federation that I will never minimize the suffering of innocent civilians in Gaza. I will never minimize the suffering of the Palestinian people. I have been very outspoken over the years in terms of my criticism of the Netanyahu government and uh, the need to end settlements and for a two-state solution. And, not but, and, at the same time, I have been distressed, more than distressed, by how in too many circles, the massacre of 1,400 Jewish people 
has sort of conveniently been, um, uh, if not forgotten, barely mentioned at some of the community rallies here in Sacramento and throughout the country. Um, the Hamas action on the 7th of October was not about the Palestinian cause. It was not about uh, standing up for a two-state solution. It was terrorism and it was a massacre, pure and simple. And so what troubles me um, and what I think is, if not unique about the Jewish experience, it's something that we feel very, very deeply, is that it's convenient for the world to move on pretty quickly and then have the conversation about the conflict and about the causes and effects of the conflict without acknowledging what happened to the Jewish people and how wrong it was. We hear it, you know, the implicit and sometimes explicit rationalization. Well, that was bad, but it was somehow justified because of the history or the Israeli government. Um, or, or that, um, you know, uh, there is suffering on both sides. Of course, there is suffering on both sides. And it's incumbent upon me as a Jew and as, a, as the city's mayor to acknowledge and speak up on behalf of injustice, however and wherever it occurs. And so I try to um, live multiple realities. And I think it is important that um, the Jewish community be heard too, and heard to say that it is not okay to just move on from what occurred on October the 7th, that you can be critical of Israel, you can be for Palestinian rights, as I am, you can be for a two-state solution, and at the same time, without equivocation, you can and must condemn what Hamas did and, and not then condition it upon something else. So to go a little bit deeper on this, because you mentioned the Nakba, and we'll, we'll get to that, but to go a little bit deeper on the point that you just made, is it your feeling and, and perception at this point that the, the general community, the press, the political leadership, particularly in this country, but maybe extending to the world, uh, are trying to move past the events of October 7th and essentially already change the conversation? Not uniformly. I think President Biden and his administration have been uh, outstanding, including their continued efforts to free the hostages, which uh, people who should not be forgotten. I think President Biden has also called for uh, 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 an Israeli response that both protects its people from any future terrorism from Hamas and at the same time minimize civilian casualties. Uh, I think that is all not only appropriate uh, and right, but in some circles, yes, including among uh, some on the left, there has been um, a quick shift. If there was ever an acknowledgement of, uh, of the terror of what Hamas did and how wrong morally and otherwise their, their acts are, um, there was a quick shift 
uh, to uh, then talking about the rights of, of other people and the conflict itself. Well, I think we have to be, we have to be able, if we believe it, to be able to hold mutual thoughts or thoughts that may seem conflicting but really aren't. You can condemn Hamas and still be for the rights of the Palestinian people. That's where I think most people are. But it is plain not right um, for, uh, for some to move on from what happened and shift the conversation without acknowledging the historic atrocity that occurred on October the 7th. I want to share something with you. Uh, in, in conversations that I've had in preparation for this, this conversation, I've talked to leaders in the Muslim community and their perspective, you might not be surprised, is that they actually would say almost your exact words, but in reverse, relating to their own community, that they feel that the, the suffering uh, and the violence that innocent members of their extended community are suffering have been completely subsumed and are not getting uh, enough, enough exposure and that, frankly, that the focus on uh, the focus on the broader uh, implications and tragedy that that the Israelis um, over in Israel experienced have completely wiped their issues off of the map in terms of the the national and international conversation. How do you react to that? Because it kind of shows where the that there is a gulf in people. There is a they're sharing the same opinion, but completely focused on their own community. Well, it speaks to the need uh, to continue the hardest of hard work to better understand each other. But let me say very clearly where I stand. Mm -hmm. I believe that Israel has a right and a duty to protect its people by doing everything uh, that it can to eliminate. Hamas, and to do so in a way that um, minimizes the impact uh, and the suffering of innocent Gazans, innocent Palestinians, absolutely. And where there are people from any side that are suffering needlessly, we all need to speak to that and we all need to call it out. And so uh, I, I have, and I, I count myself very fortunate to have built a very strong relationship with the leaders of the Muslim American community in Sacramento. And that relationship um, is really, really important, both um, as a model for how people who may have different points of view on the most sensitive of issues can actually not only get along, but work together. And I remain committed to that. Uh, I just, um, I'm speaking my truth um, as an American Jew who has seen um, the response in some quarters, too many quarters, that have moved on very quickly from historic atrocity. That does not negate, uh, nor does it mean that it's any less important that 
we call out and that I call out the the innocent, the suffering of innocent people on the Palestinian side and in Gaza. And, and that's, that is part of where I would like you to spend a little bit of time. I spoke with a friend of mine who also is a member of the Jewish community the day after the attacks. And she told me that this was different in that this was not a theoretical uh, set of atrocities that happened halfway around the world, that every person that she spoke to from her community either had a direct loved one or friend or knew of a loved one or friend of someone that they were connected with who was either killed, injured, or at risk at that moment. Fast forward to speaking with leaders of the Muslim community, I heard the same thing um, from their, their leadership as well. And when these issues are so upfront and that we are all connected, what does that inform us of our responsibility as individual citizens living in Fortress USA as to what we need to be doing as well, a part of trying to, to move towards something that's better than what we're experiencing right now. Well, to always call for peace and to work for peace and to continue to be advocates for, uh, for a two-state solution and peaceful coexistence between Jews and Palestinians between Jews and Arabs. There's a lot of history here. Um, they're, they're, uh, the Israelis argue, and I think with some real truth and foundation, that on the Palestinian side, there have not been real partners for peace over the course of the decades. Arafat turned down Bill Clinton's best offer for a two-state solution in 2000. The historic record is clear. It's also true that as the Israeli government has gotten more right-wing, that the settlements have made it harder to negotiate peace, and that's wrong. And so together, we have to continue to um, understand each other's pain, understand each other's history, and we have to be promoters of peace, and we have to do so in a way where we're not yelling at each other because we know that in this country and throughout the world for a variety of reasons, we blame social media a lot. It's that, but it's more. Um, you know, it's Trump the cause or the symptom that it's seemingly okay to treat one another as the other without understanding our common humanity and without trying to be peacemakers and problem solvers. And so I, again, I have to reconcile what I just said, which is that it is my role and my job as mayor, but just also as a human being to understand everybody, to speak out against everyone's suffering and to try my best to be a peacemaker. And at the same time, to express my own hurt that is felt by 
Jews throughout this country, throughout our community, throughout our country, that it's not okay. It's not okay in too many quarters to just skip over the massacre of 1,400 people. I'm not saying everybody's done that. I'm not saying the majority of people have done that. But when I've seen the rallies and when I have seen the, the immediate shift from sympathy to, well, again, implicitly or explicitly that this was somehow understandable or justifiable, it is not. Even if, even if the Palestinians and the people who believe that the Israeli government is wrong um, are right about what it's going to take, nothing, nothing, nothing justifies what Hamas did to massacre innocent people. And I just want that said clearly, not but, and let's look at what it is going to take to remedy injustice around sure. the bend and and make and have a better chance for peace. And you're correct in your references to um, that there is a lot of distrust and uh, very, very difficult issues. One of the things that I've heard from the Muslim community is their concern that this is going to be in asking the people of Gaza to relocate, that this is going to be what they call another Nakba. And the quote that they tend to reference comes from a, a gentleman named Ariel Kalner, who's a member of parliament for Prime Minister Netanyahu's Likud party, who says right now one goal, Nakba, a Nakba that will overshadow the Nakba of 48. <clears throat> Nakba in Gaza and Nakba to anyone who dares to join. And um, there's a level of distrust that ultimately serves those who are the enemies of peace. Well, that's why we don't have peace. I mean, uh, from all quarters, but vengeance is never the right motive, never. Israel has a duty to make sure that Hamas itself is no longer so that the people of Israel no longer have to endure or the risk of enduring what they endured, unspeakable evil they endured on the 7th of October. So Israel confronts a challenge that, um, that is, is how do they protect their people without harming people that are innocent and that they have, you know, as of our taping here, they have not uh, done a ground invasion. And I, I, I just hope and pray and call for uh, protecting civilians, of course. What choices uh, do you think that Israel has before it at this moment in terms of um, we're in a moment of, it seems like that there are no good immediate solutions, but what do you see that are kind of the paths forward that at present? Well, I'm not um, there and I'm not a member of the American foreign policy team, but I know that um, it's not just Gaza, it's the North. Hezbollah, uh, backed by Iran, is firing rockets and, and 
there's a real threat of war um, on Israel's other borders. And so they've got a multi-front challenge. There, uh, I, and, and I know from what I read and, and what I see that the Biden administration is encouraging um, Israel to rid themselves of Hamas, but do so in a way that minimizes the impact on people. And that may not be, boy, that, that balance certainly is nowhere close to perfect, and it may not even be possible. I want to talk about I want to talk about balance for a second. Yes. You spoke to this a little bit earlier about progressives and uh, people on the left in your own party. You've always been known as a progressive Democrat. What's your view of some within your own party? And, and I'm going to call out one member in particular as representative. That's Rashida Tlaib, the Congress person from uh, Detroit and Dearborn, who calls Israel's control of the Palestinian territories an apartheid system, um, and that uh, that system is what led to the events and circumstances. And before you respond, the reason that I'm asking you this question is because uh, there is there seems to be a generational uh, divide, at least a generational divide within the Democratic Party on how to view uh, the issues and circumstances on the ground right now. How, how are you viewing uh, that type of language and that type of perspective? Well, it bothers me. It, it troubles me because I don't think it acknowledges the other side. Um, I oppose Israel's settlements. I believe in a two-state solution. And I do not believe anything justifies what Hamas did on October 7th. And if we sort of can, can hear one another on... Uh, on that kind of framing, then there's a chance to, to develop more allyship, more coalition. But when somebody's not seen or heard, and in this instance, I'm talking about, uh, about what I've seen in some quarters since the 7th of October, and it invokes his history, how the Jewish people have been seen in too many instances of history as less than human. When we say the worst atrocity since the Holocaust, the Holocaust was in, within the lifetime of people, obviously, who are still living today. That is very real. It is very searing. And, and, and so it's about seeing each other, seeing each other's humanity and calling out wrong wherever it exists. I think the settlements are wrong. I think that nothing justifies what Hamas did. And, and, and when we talk about the suffering, 1,400 uh, uh, Israelis killed so far and over 200 that are still being held hostage. 5,000, according to UN News, 5,000 Palestinians have already perished as well. 
you have always been known as a man of optimism and solution building. And in our final moments, give us your one wish for what happens next. Obviously, my wish is that um, extremism be extinguished here, that, that, that people and leaders who want and desire peace uh, have positions of responsibility and the ability to take another horrific chapter of history and use it in some way to, to forge peace. That's what I hope, of course. Um, there is going to be some reckoning in Israel uh, for the failures of the leadership to not anticipate what occurred. I hope Hamas is in fact destroyed. And I hope that what then, what then occurs is a vacuum that allows for uh, a resumption of, uh, of a settlement that is the only, only answer ultimately. It's the only, only answer, maybe the hardest thing to achieve, and yet the only way that there will be something other than this horror that millions of people experience in a very important part of the world. And I think we'll leave it there. Thank you, Mayor Steinberg, for your voice and your perspective at this most difficult time. Thank you, Scott. And that's our show. Thanks to our guest, and thanks to you for watching Studio Sacramento. I'm Scott Syfax. See you next time right here on KVIE. Thank you for listening to Studio Sacramento from KVIE Public Television. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes to help others find it. All episodes of Studio Sacramento, along with other KVIE programs, are available to watch online at kvie.org slash video.